How are we all this morning? Are we doing well? Yeah. One person. Fantastic. It's good to know. Okay. Um, for those of you that don't know me, um, my name is Sam. I have the privilege of heading up our children and our youth work um, here at Gateway. And as Barney's already mentioned, we are in the middle of a series on who we are as a people. Um, so who we are asking God to help us to be as Gateway Church. And so this morning in particular, I think if, if, there was, if people from kind of the world around us, kind of secular, the secular world was to look at what we're trying to do and establish as a culture, what we're looking at this morning, I think would be one of them, or potentially the only one, that they would say a hearty amen to, which is really interesting. Because what we're looking at this morning is we're looking at, as a gateway church, we want to be an authentic people, Okay. Um, and authenticity in, in, our, in our world, in Western society, is a massive part of the narrative of the story that we find ourselves in. To be authentic, we are told, is the key to happiness. Yeah? To be authentic is the key to happiness. And we hear it in the language, don't we? You know, the idea of, you know, you do you, be true to yourself, um, and things like this. Um, and so what we find is that narrative... Is, is key. That narrative is key. That we are in a story where we are told that being authentic, being true to yourself, is the key to happiness. Okay, so much so that this is such a big deal, particularly for younger generations, that marketing brands now employ marketing people to help their brands be authentic. Because particularly if younger people think that a brand is being inauthentic, they switch off and won't buy that brand. So in order just to be successful as a business now, you have to be authentic. And if we were to define what authenticity is, authenticity is living outwardly who you are inwardly. Okay? So if we're going to define authenticity, it's living outwardly who you are internally, who you are inwardly. And the obvious problem for that, particularly as a society, is that the inward sense of who we are changes. So I don't know about you, but I do not feel the same person inside that I was 10 years ago. In fact, I actually don't feel the same person internally that I was five months ago. Who I am, who I feel myself to be, changes regularly. And if I am to be truly authentic, I've got to show outwardly who I am inwardly to live that best life. I have to do what, be who I am internally. Then the problem comes from it being so changeable, right? It's really subjective to the time that I'm in, to the space that I'm in, to the people that I'm around. So then how can anyone, anyone be truly authentic? How can you be truly authentic if this internal sense of who we are changes all the time? How can we be truly authentic? Now, the good news is that as believers, as the people of God, we know the only truly authentic person who has ever walked on the earth. Because we know Jesus. And Jesus is the only human being who is ever to come with a true knowledge, a full knowledge of who he is, has balanced both God and man and lived a perfect, perfect demonstration, perfect life of, of authenticity. He lived fully who he was on the inside, which is why no one felt comfortable around him because there was no group he fit into. There was no mold he fit into. There was no stereotype he fulfilled. He wasn't what anyone expected the Messiah to be, but he completely fulfilled all that scripture said that he was. 
that Jesus is the only person to have ever lived a truly authentic life. And the good news for us as a people of God is that through what Jesus has done, through the cross and the resurrection and the power of the Holy Spirit, we can live a life like Jesus, that we can be authentic people. So would you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17? It is a verse that will be familiar to many of us. And it should go up on the screen ahead. So if you don't have your Bible, don't worry too much. Okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Being in Christ, being found in him through his death and his resurrection, having through faith, is what it means to be saved. And as we have that faith, as the Holy Spirit comes and dwells within us, as we put our faith and trust in Jesus, we become a new creation. And one of the ways you could translate that is a new creature, a new person. And that means that we have changed completely on the inside. And it's quite hard to grasp because we don't change completely on the outside. We don't all of a sudden turn white and glow as as Jesus did when he was transfigured, like our clothes aren't glowing white and, and things like that. So there's not that outward sign that we can see. But what scripture says is that when the spirit comes and dwells within you, in the instant you are changed. You are a new person. The truest part of yourself, the deepest part of yourself is changed and different. And that we are a new creature. And that, that part of ourselves, we can call it our identity in Christ. So there should be an acronym that comes up on the screen. This is just some of the things that happen to us when we become Christians. This is who we are, okay? That we are chosen. That we are adopted sons and daughters of God. That we are, we are God's handiwork. The Bible says that we are created in Christ Jesus for good works. So those things, those ways that God has made you, the things that you're good at, the things that you're passionate about, the things that God is giving you, that God has given you those things so that you can do good works for him. That he's created you in that way. That we are righteous, that through the blood of Jesus, that we stand before God clean and pure and holy. That we are inheritors. We inherit eternal life through Jesus. But not just that, that when Jesus returns, we are co-heirs of him on the new creation. That we share in the inheritance of Jesus as adopted children of God. That we are seated with God in the heavenly places. That we have access to the presence of God, to the throne room of God, without fear of punishment, without fear of not having access because we are completely and fully saved. We're free to have access to the presence of God. We're seated with him. That we have access to the presence of God. We can approach the throne of God, the throne of grace, boldly because of Jesus. And we are temples of the Holy Spirit that the Spirit dwells within us, that we as individuals and together as a church are temples of the Holy Spirit. We are the dwelling place of God on earth. And these are just some, some of the things that God says about us as we become Christians. This is who we have become. And the great news about this, the great thing about this truth, this, this truth that this is who we are, is that it doesn't matter whether that's what we feel we are. This is true of us, irrelevant of whether we feel it to be true or not. 
If you are a believer in Christ, these things are true of you. Whether you feel that you're not worthy, whether you feel down and that you can't accept these things, whether you doubt that anyone could look at you and say these things about you, it doesn't matter because it's true. It's who God has said that you are. And the beautiful thing as well is that these things are true even before we learn that they're true of us. Right? So you become a Christian if you've never, if you've not been a Christian before, if you've never kind of given your life to Jesus, if you didn't grow up in a church environment, and so that, which was part of my story, I didn't grow up in a church. So when I became a Christian, these things were true of me before I even learned them. Like these were true of me because it's who God says that I am. He changed me in the inside before I'd even learned that these things were true. Being authentic is living outwardly who we are in, internally. And uh, there's this quote from a, from a guy called Branson Parler in his book, Everybody's Story. And he just summarizes it really well. And he says this, knowledge of God and knowledge of self go together. As we come to know who God is, we come to see and understand who we are more truly and clearly. Thus, to tell the story of who I truly am, I need to see and know God as the one who is my creator and redeemer, the one who truly fulfills and completes me. So gateway for us to be an authentic people, for us to live in light of what, who God has told us that we are, we need to live as that new creature. We need to live as that new creature that we are in him. So the question then, at least the question that I always then come to, is how do we do it? <laughs> like how, how do we then live out this identity? Because we've already said we don't always feel like this is the case for us. We don't feel these things that God has said are true for us. And so the first and most important point to make is that the only way that we can live authentic lives is in the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't try really hard and get this. We need the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the God to come and work within us and through us, both individually and together as a people, so that we can understand who we are and can live that life to the world around us. The Holy Spirit comes and helps us to do that. And we need to trust in the Holy Spirit to do that. But as individuals, the first real point that I want us just, just to consider together is how much time, how much time do we spend considering who we are in Christ? Okay, Because we are, we are well aware that we live in the most easily distracted age there has ever been, okay? Like the phones in our pockets and the TVs on our walls give us endless entertainment and endless distraction. If you wanted to, from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep, you can be completely distracted. You can, be, you, you can constantly find something to distract you. And so we just need to consider how much time are we giving to understanding who we truly are. If being authentic is living who we are, outwardly, then how much do we consider and know who we are? So the average, average person, so I looked at some, some statistics this week, the average person is on their phone 4.8 hours a day. Two and a half of those hours are on social media. And the average person also spends three hours watching television. Okay, now I know most of us are on our phones whilst watching television, so that, that gets condensed a bit. Um, okay, but still, the, the amount of time that we're spending on devices is massive. And if we're honest, if we're spending about five minutes in the Bible, about 15 minutes maybe in prayer, like 20 minutes in a day where we're spending potentially eight hours consuming content, it will have an impact. 
Because the things that we're consuming, the things that we're looking at, they're not neutral. They tell a story. They point us towards a truth. They point us towards a reality. They say something about who we are internally, who we are as people. They say something about how we can be happy and fulfilled and content. The things that we consume shape who we are. And so if we're to live authentic lives as believers, we need to know who we are so that we can live that outwardly. And I'm not saying we need to just throw all our phones away and not watch telly. I'm not saying that at all. I know that a lot of us do work on our phones. Like, we, there's a thing about relaxing in front of the television. I get, I get it. Like, I get all that. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is the amount of time that we spend considering who we are in Christ, the amount of time we spend knowing who God has said that we are versus what we're consuming in other ways, the other messages that are feeding our souls, how much are we comparing them to who Christ says that we are? And so how much are we in our Bibles? Like how much are we praying? How much are we in worship? How much are we gathering together as, as God's people, as God's community? Okay? And I mean, this, this is, there's no guilt or condemnation coming from this, okay? We are all on a journey of this. And, and the Bible and prayer and gathering together, they're a means of grace to help us get there, Right? There are means of grace to help us be authentic, to help us know him. They're not things God puts on us to weigh us down and, and, and kind of things that we have to do. They're means of grace to get us to where God is calling us to be. And, you know, we can start small with this. It doesn't, you know, if you're, you're struggling to read your Bible, you can ask for help. You know, if you're, if you're not sure how you can grow in this, you know, you can join a group when our groups are launched. To just get in with Christian community, to be encouraged by one another and encourage other people to be coming along in who God has called us to be. So we can just start small with this, but we need to just consider. We need to consider together how much time we are knowing who we are in Christ. We are learning who we are in Christ. We're learning what he says about us so that we can live that authentic life. And the other thing that just for us, again, is a question to consider is how much... Are we diminishing who God says that we are in order to fit in, in order to not rock the boat? And I get, I get that there's a cost for that. I get that particularly more and more, if we are to live out our faith in work and in school and college and university and all the different spaces that we find ourselves in, friendship groups, family groups, if we were to truly live who we are, as Christ has said that we are in those environments, that there would be a cost to it. And we're so, I'm, so, I am so, I'm aware of that. I get that. But God has called us to be authentic. So the way that, it, that, that 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20 says this is, Therefore we're ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. That we are his ambassadors, that, that God makes his appeal through us, and therefore if we are diminishing who God says that we are, if we are not living as God has said we are, then, then we are diminishing that, that, that way that we are showing him and God making his appeal through us. It's just a question for us to consider, a question for us just to hold over us as we consider what it means to be an authentic people. But we're not just called to be authentic, fortunately, by ourselves. We're called to be authentic together. As a people, collectively, to be authentic together. And we cannot be authentic, we cannot live this inward life outwardly, we cannot live who God has said we are in our lives without the body of Christ. We just so need one another. 
We so need one another. We need one another's encouragement. We need one another's gifts. We need one another's help to be who God has called us to be. You know, if you take the analogy of the body from 1 Corinthians 12, if you just see a hand on its own or a foot on its own or an eye on its own, aside from being completely grossed out if you're not a doctor, like, you're like, this doesn't make sense, right? A foot by itself makes no sense. A hand by itself makes no sense. An eye by itself makes no sense. It's only as those things are put together into the body, you're like, ah, okay, I get it. I get what the foot's for. I get what the hand's for. I get what the eye's for. And so it's only as we are together living out who God has called us to be that it makes sense, that we make sense as a people. And so in order to do that, to be an authentic people together, we actually have to be authentic with each other. To be authentic together, we have to be authentic with each other. And this looks like loads of different things. But I think the starting point is that we actually have to be real and honest with one another about where we're at. Okay? So the answers to how are you of okay or busy are not good enough. They're just not good enough answers for us to be an authentic people together. And if you're doing great, we don't want you to hide that. If you've had a great week, if you've just been promoted or, you know, your football team's doing really well, I know that's trivial, but, like, if there's anything that you're doing a really great week and you're coming in, we don't want you to, like, get all somber and morose and be like, I'm okay. Like, if you're to have a great week, we want to celebrate in the things that God is doing in your life together. And if you're having a terrible week, if your life is falling apart, if the bottom has just fallen and away from underneath your feet, we want to know that. We have to be real and authentic with each other. And if you're just plodding along, like, fine, that's okay. But we need to be real and honest with each other. We don't need to make more of what our life is, and we don't need to make less of the things we're going through. We have to be honest and real and authentic with one another if we are to be authentic together. And that can't just be on a Sunday morning. It cannot just be on a Sunday morning. Our conversations on a Sunday morning are five minutes. I've got two young children. My conversations are less than that. I get 30 seconds before I'm running in a direction to stop them from doing something or going somewhere else. We have to be in each other's lives in the week as well. We have to be asking. We have to be knowing where people are at. And we can't know everyone. We can't know everyone. But we can know some people. And we need to get be real and authentic and honest with each other. And uh, the other thing which is the hard thing, is the really, really hard thing, is that we need to be able to confess our sins to one another and admit our weaknesses. And this is the hardest thing about this. But as we were, as we were worshipping this morning and what Barney was sharing about this whole new season, I, I really felt there was something prophetic in what we were saying this morning about being an authentic people in order to step into what God is calling us to be. That if we are going to move into this new season, if we're going to move together into what God is calling us to, we have to be authentic. And church, one of the ways that the devil is tripping us up and is stopping us from moving into what God has got for us is because we feel like we have to be fake and perfect and pretend that we're doing better than we are and we're running further than we are with God than we are. Because we're not being authentic, we're not being free. Because you can only be free from sin and shame and guilt when you confess that and walk through that in freedom with God, but with people as well. And so us not being able to do that, not being able to confess our sins, to acknowledge our weaknesses, we are not living in the freedom that Christ has won for us 
and which God is calling us to. Okay? And so there's, I, think, I think there's something of modeling this. Um, and so I'm going to share now um, just, just part of my own journey with this. Um, and I'm going to acknowledge that I'm also slightly terrified because I also want to acknowledge that this is a scary thing, right? It's a scary thing to confess sin, to be weak in front of other people. So for me, where this landed, particularly as I was kind of first kind of a Christian and seeing things, between the ages of 13 um, and 18, I, I had an addiction. Um, and that addiction was to, was to pornography. So I was addicted to pornography for six years. Um, I became a Christian when I was 14, and God turned my life upside down. I was not the same person. My whole life changed from the, ages of, from the age of 14. I was a completely different person. The way God moved in my life was dramatic and powerful. But I still struggled with this addiction. I struggled with it, and I, I couldn't get free from it no matter how hard I tried. And I told no one. I went through that journey completely on my own. And by God's grace, I, got, I did get free, and I was set free from that. But I struggled on my own for years, hiding this thing that was eating me up from the inside, hiding this area of sin of my life, which was stopping me from living in the freedom that Christ had won from me. And actually, because of that, I wasn't able to be part of the body that I wanted to be. Now, part of my kind of part of my role is, as being a youth worker here at Gateway is that we kind of we address stuff and we address issues. And one of the things that we do address is we do go into the issue of pornography um, and things like that, which means that I've I've, I've done some research um, and I've looked into it as an issue. And one of the things that I found as I've been researching it over years is that the statistics of of pornography use outside the church and inside the church are not actually different. So the statistics say that 55% of church-going men and 30% of church-going women look at pornography on a regular basis, which means that this would be an issue for people in this room this morning. We know that we're going through things. We know that we're struggling things. And the reason that we know that is because people conduct anonymous surveys about what people are struggling with, and people go, yeah, this is an issue for me. There is sin in our lives that we're not free of, but God wants to set us free from those things. You know, I've not looked at pornography in 11 years, but I still have controls on my life. I still have to watch what I look like, I have to be careful about what, what I watch on the television. Like, because I don't want to sin, and I don't, I don't want to lead a life that's not honouring to God. I don't want to lead a life that's not honouring to the dignity, value, and worth of women that God has made in his image. I don't want to live the life like that. But in order to do that, I have to put things in my life to make sure that I'm not living like that. I've got people that I've got to be accountable to for that. And there's people that I would run to were this to become an issue for me again because I want to be free from it. I don't want to live in it. I want to live. I want to run after God. Yeah? I don't, I don't want to kind of drag my heels and drag my head because I've got things weighing on me. But it's not just, it's not just areas of sin. And, and this may not be your issue, right? That may not be your issue at all. You may have unforgiveness or bitterness or pride or you may deal with issues with greed or any number of things, right? But there's stuff in our lives that if we're not confessing to one another and walking in freedom with one another, that God is not going to be able to use us in the way that he otherwise would be. We want to be free, church. We want to be authentic to who Christ has called us to be, but what he has done for us. And it's not just areas of sin, right? It's acknowledging our limits as well. There's just also something that we really don't like to do. Right? So one of the reasons why I think we've got a great kids and youth work here at Gateway is because there's people in the team who lead children and young people who are better at things than I am. 
Like, there's people who can teach children and young people better than I can. There's people who can lead children and young people and share with them and love them better than I can. And without those people, we wouldn't be able to do what we're able to do. Without the gifts of the body, we are not able to grow in the way that we could otherwise grow. And it's okay to admit limits. It's okay to admit weaknesses. It's okay for me to be terrible at maths. Like, it's, it's okay to be able to sit and acknowledge these things, right? This is why we need each other. It's why we're in a body. If we could just do it on our own, there'd be no need to be a church. There'd be no need to be a body. But that's not what we're called. There's more saved into a church. And that's who God has called us to be. And so finally, just as not to end in a, a somber note, this also looks like championing people in their gifts and their abilities. You know, being able to say to someone, you know what, you're a leader. Why don't you lead? <laughs> You know, hey, you know, you are, you are someone that is clearly, clearly gifted in being able to administrate and organize. Why don't you get organizing something for the church? Hey, you've got a passion about injustice. Why don't you do something about that? Like, how can we help you do something about that? Being an authentic people is living all into what God has got for us. Um, and so we're just going to, we're going to respond now. Um, and the things that I've, I really felt like God is, is wanting to do is uh, primarily is about helping us to, to, to just ask God to help us be authentic. Um, but I had a picture this week of, of people walking around in, in kind of hooded cloaks. Um, and what I felt like is that people were, were walking around kind of hiding themselves. And I think there's, there's a part of this is, comes in out, is coming out of guilt and shame and kind of just unresolved sin. And that we're walking around, we're hiding who we are, and we're hiding what, because we're afraid to be seen. And, and that just goes straight back to Genesis 3, right? That's, I'm in the garden, I'm naked, and I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed of who I am. I'm ashamed of what I'm doing. And what I felt like God wanted to do is he wanted us to lift those herds to be free, to be seen and loved and forgiven. And so that's just that's, that's something that I feel like God's wanted to do with some of us this morning. Um, so I'm going to hand over to Barney now to respond. Great. Well, we... I've been saying to a few people this week, I'm just... I, I'm being authentic is, is being being honest, right? So, as we've started to pray as a church, as we've started to ask that, ask God for a revival, as we've started to say, Look, actually, we want to press into the things of God. It's interesting how many holiness issues are coming up with people, okay? Because as we actually say, God, I want more of you, and we get more of God, He starts to reveal the things in us that don't align to Him. Um, and I don't want to leave this moment because there, for some of you, you are living in sin. I'm just going to be honest about it. You are walking in impurity, and God is speaking to you this morning. Um, and the thing is, what will happen is, is you're waiting for, for the meeting to finish now because you're like, oh, I just want to get out of this. <laughs> but I, I do believe, look, there's a verse. It's actually just before what Sam brought this morning. It's 2 Corinthians 3, isn't it? and I've, I've already said this morning, um, 3, 3 verse 17. Now, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So look, we're, we, we no longer are bound to the chains of sin. But Paul writes in Colossians chapter 3, he says, if you are, you are seated in Christ. So that's your position, you're seated in Christ. It's one of the, the, the things that, that, that um, Sam said, that, that, that acronym for Christ. You're seated in Christ. That out of your position being seated in Christ, then Paul goes on to say, put to death things in the flesh that don't align up to your heavenly identity. So it might be, a sin pattern, maybe you can, you're hearing the pornography thing and you go, yeah, that is me. I've been, I've been looking at pornography. I've been engaging in that. Maybe it's, it's greed. Maybe it's gluttony. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's selfishness. Maybe it's jealousy of other people. 
maybe, maybe there's, there's an area of your life that you know just doesn't align up to the identity that Christ has given you. And you're not to walk in condemnation in it, but you're to give it back to Jesus this morning. And you're to ask for forgiveness. And, you know, as we ask for forgiveness from the Saviour and we come to the cross, we, we experience forgiveness. But it also talks about in the Bible as well, confess your sins to one another. Now, we're not going to do that now. <laughs> You'll be pleased to know. Um, but what we are going to do in a minute is we are going to pray, and then I'm just going to give you some feedback about how you might do that next bit, okay? So let's just pray together, shall we now? If the Son has set you free, then you are free indeed. If the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. Lord, I thank you for us this morning here who know you, Jesus, who, who, who recognise, Jesus, the, the victory that you've won over our lives on the cross, that we are free from sin and shame and guilt. Lord, I thank you that we walk into a new creation as new creatures. You have made us truly new. There's something very different about those who are in Christ. But Lord, we also recognise that we carry in us the sins of the flesh. And Lord, you call us to a walking in greater obedience to you, a path of, of, of sanctification. That means becoming more like Jesus. And so, Lord, I know right now in the room there are people here and you are speaking to them by your spirit because, Holy Spirit, it's not me who convicts of sin. It's you, Holy Spirit, that convicts of sin. And so, Holy Spirit, right now I pray just speak to each one of us that we might be authentic to the people that you've made us to be. You might want to join with me in just saying this. Jesus, I'm sorry. Jesus, I'm sorry. Jesus, I'm sorry. Jesus, I'm sorry where I've made your sacrifice look like a light thing. Jesus, I'm sorry where I've tried to find my identity in things other than you. Jesus, I'm sorry where I've lived a double life. Jesus, I'm sorry that I've carried on doing the things that I know that you don't want me to do, but I've carried on doing them anyway because I think by doing them, I'm going to find satisfaction that I don't find. Jesus, I'm sorry. And Jesus, I turn to you this morning. Thank you that you are my living hope. Thank you that you are my freedom. Jesus, I just claim your freedom over my life this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come and fill me now with your power. D.L. Moody said that you can't be filled with the Spirit. <laughs> I'm not sure I agree with all of this theologically, but he said that you can't be fully filled with the Spirit until you've emptied your life of everything else. It's just a sense in which actually we need to make room for Jesus, make room for the Spirit in our hearts. And we need to clear out stuff that doesn't belong to it. So come, Holy Spirit, right now, come fill us with your power. Lord, and when we've handed these sin patterns over to you this morning, come and fill our lives with your power. Come and fill our lives with, with, with delight in you. Lord, that we wouldn't be given over to going and reading the Bible tomorrow out of duty, but Lord, that out of delight that we are sons and daughters, that we can know you, that we can just delight to be in your presence. So fill this church with delight, I pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so... It's the second bit of all this. If that is you this morning and you know that there is something in your life that you have just said, ask Jesus for forgiveness for, it might be something that you know it doesn't actually, do you know what, I've, I've dealt with this now. 
But if it's a sin pattern or a, 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 a behavioral pattern, okay, an addiction, you need to talk to somebody about that. Because you can't just deal with that on your own. You need somebody to help you and be accountable for that. So that when you're feeling weak in the flesh, you know that you've got brothers and sisters who can help you with it. And so there's, there's different ways you can do that. First of all, um, if you're not in a group, join a group. But secondly, um, what I would say to you is that if, if it's a, a, particularly if it's a, if, if it's a habit or a sin pattern, can you just email me? Okay. And what I would do is I will put you in touch with people. You don't have to tell me what it's all about. You can say, I just, want to, I just want to respond to what you said on Sunday. I really want to meet up with somebody, okay? So whether you're a man or a woman, just, just email me. I don't want to know the details. And what I'll do is then I'll get back to you about it and I'll get somebody on our team to contact you, okay? Okay. Um,